welcome to the Global AI Podcast. We are coming to you from the second Global AI Summit emanating from Riyadh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And our guest today is the former Global Chief AI Officer for IBM and now the founder of Quantum AI, Seth Dobrin. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. A lot of the guests I've been speaking to have t- I've been talking about uh, developing a strategy uh, to lead, uh, you know, to the advancement of AI ethics and the application of different industries. So, uh, do, do you feel that you know some some initiatives lack the uh, strategy-led approach, and and has that led to you know um, sort of a um, basically a, a decrease in the use of AI ethics? So, I think um, you know the way. Not not surprisingly, I guess. So, AI has had a very fast adoption over the last few years. Uh, still has a long way to go, but. Uh, unsurprisingly, uh, things like ethics have not been a forethought on people's mind. And, and I think it's, it's something that we need to start thinking about very closely and very seriously, especially in instances where AI is impacting a human's health, wealth, or livelihood. Uh, and, and that gets to my human-centered approach where you really need to understand the human that's being impacted by the AI and the human that's being used, you, you're going to be using the AI, which may or may not be the same person. Um, and how does your, the, the, those outcomes and how the humans are going to be impacted or affected relate to ethical principles such as fairness, such as explainability, uh, such as security, things like that. So how do you need, in what context you need to consider those? So just saying AI ethics as a blanket statement is kind of meaningless. It's AI ethics in the context of a given outcome that impacts a human. How can, in your um, humble experience and opinion, uh, how can artificial intelligence help humanity? Yeah, so I think if you look at what artificial intelligence is, right, at its core, artificial intelligence is math and algorithms. Uh, And math and computer science have no inherent bias. When we think about biases that exist in AI, those are actually the AI picking up on biases that humans have made in the past that were biased that are now ingrained in the data. Because the way you use math and, and computer science to build AI is you train it on past situations. And so if you can figure out how do you control to mitigate the biases that humans introduced in the past in the training data, such that you don't get biased, the same biased outcomes in the future through your AI, you can actually use these tools to create a fairer society. So AI done properly can do, well, AI can do one of two things. AI can propagate preconceived notions, pre-existing biases, all of these bad things we don't want, or alternatively, it can actually make the world a fairer and more inclusive place. All right, and uh, how can data-driven AI insights enable decision-making? So, I mean, data-driven AI insights is is really looking at, you know, when, when we think about what AI is gonna do. Uh, so when we use AI, we're using it to help us get better insights, automate a process, automate a workflow. Uh, and when you put it in the context of the data that it's being derived from, so for instance, if I'm in a call center uh, and I am taking calls from some guy named Hussam, no. uh, and he's calling in to, because he has an issue with something. And if I just present an insight where, well, I think Hassam would, you know, would really like this new offer. Okay. Uh, you know, he'd like a new credit card because he had, you know, just he had, yeah. it, would, it would be okay, but it would be fairly meaningless. But if we say, you know, if we put up the, the, the customer service rep that, hey, Hussam just got back from Oregon okay. uh, and he went to Texas. 
Uh, and now he's back here, and we know he travels a lot. In fact, he goes travels between the kingdom and the U.S. quite a bit. Why don't you offer him this credit card because it has benefits not just for travel, but has specific benefits that are tailored towards his travel behaviors in the U.S. Uh, and so being able to put it in that context and provide those decisions in the context for the human. Notice the AI is not making a decision. The AI is presenting a, a possible alt uh, option for the human and putting it in the context of the data. With the second global AI summit being held here in, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, um, what do you hope uh, to gain as a key takeaway from attending the summit? You know, I think one of the key takeaways I hope I hope to get from the summit is you know, a better understanding of, of what, uh, you know, what, what businesses are struggling with here in, in the kingdom okay. uh, and how, uh, how we can better help them. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, I think one of the key insights I already have taken away is as a, as a Westerner coming into Saudi, uh, you know, you hear words about, you know, wanting to have AI for good, for the good of humanity. Yeah. You hear those words all the time. Uh, and usually they're just words. I'm getting the sense that around here they're they're more than words. It's it's a, a strong belief that they want the kingdom wants to use AI to better humanity, uh, and and it's it's good that it's it's got tangible. You, you know, talking to folks from Sadia and some of then Sky and some of the other companies around here, they're really focused on making the world a better place through AI, which I greatly appreciate. Okay, and um, how do you see KSA's uh, commitment in driving the responsible and ethical AI advancement use in uh, for uh, companies and businesses here? You know, I think I think the it's early to say, you know, how I see how I see they're doing. I think they're the right things. All the right things are in place. Uh, you know, everyone's saying the right things. They're putting the right frameworks in place, the right structures in place. Uh, I think, um, you know, time will tell, just like everywhere else, right? You asked me that about any other mm -hmm. government, you know, what it, it's too early to tell. Okay. Uh, but I think a summit like this that's focused on AI for the good of humanity is a really good start uh, and a good place to get the conversation going uh, and really start talking about what it looks like in practice okay. for, the, for KSA to develop, you know, AI for, for the good of humanity. And uh, the, the summit has three key pillars, which is... AI now, AI next, and AI never. And they all are um, basically showcasing or highlighting how AI is being used today, tomorrow, and what we shouldn't do with, with artificial intelligence. Um, from a future context, uh, what would you say is your AI never? Oh, boy. Um, you know, I, I think there, there are some things that I think are that I personally will not, I'm not keen to get involved in. So... One is I am not keen to personally get in, get involved in uh, kind of general facial recognition. So I have no problem with one-on-one -on -one facial facial rec matching. You know, here's your passport, here's your Emirates ID, here's your Saudi ID. Is this you in a biometric uh, where I've consented? I am not. I, I think getting into general facial recognition where you're just scanning mass, doing mass surveillance. I, I think. I, th I think it's you need to think hard before you do that. There are good reasons why you would want to, mm -hmm. uh, for security reasons, national security reasons, and things like that. Um, but for me, I would. It's not something I want to be involved in, quite honestly. Okay. Um, I think um, I think there's a, a, a possibility for, especially in places like healthcare, where AI can drive a tremendous amount of value okay. if there's a physician involved. Okay. I get 
worried about AI making decisions for physicians, mm -hmm. um, because not not because the AI is necessarily going to make a bad decision, but the AI doesn't know me and the AI can't have a conversation with me. Okay. Right. If I have, God forbid, I have cancer. Mm -hmm. Do I want my doctor using AI? Yes, I absolutely want her using AI to help give me the best options. But in the end of the day, I want to sit down with her and I want to talk about what the options are mm -hmm. that are right for me and my family. You can't have that kind of conversation with an AI. So I think too much automation of a of, of healthcare using AI is is something that I wouldn't want to see either. Okay. Uh, there's lots of dystopian things I can think of, but mm -hmm. those, I don't know, are less interesting for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. And uh, let's get into uh, the privacy and protection of, of data because artificial intelligence is technically collecting lots of data. So um, how, how, how would um, organizations around the world look at, you know, maintaining the privacy of this data um, for the key purpose of, of uh, basically maintaining the ethics of how they do their practices? Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of, you know, since GDPR came out, you know, mm -hmm. the data, European Data Privacy Act came out about four years ago now, I guess, three years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of heightened awareness about data privacy in the community. I think that's great. Um, I, I think people, when GDPR came out, when this new EU data regulation came out, people were terrified. You know, I have to do all these things. And, and they didn't really think about what the positive side of what was required in this Privacy Act was. Really, the net of the Privacy Act is that you need to keep data, people's pri private data private. You can't just share it without their permission. You need to make sure it's secure. If someone happens to breach it, you need to tell them. Okay. Right. That sums up very quickly in very few lay terms what the data privacy, what GDPR did. What that means for a business and what that means for how you handle that data, really what that means is I need to have a conversation with my customers about how and why I want to use their data and what value that has for them. Okay. And so it shouldn't have been a scary conversation. It shouldn't have been a, should have been a conversation we were having all along. Mm -hmm. Hassan, we will keep your data safe. We know it's your data. We want to use it to be able to provide you a better experience when you call into our customer center. So we may sometimes present offers to you based on your travel patterns that we get for your bank account. Right, that's something that you would opt into. It's not just happening; it's respecting your privacy, uh, and it's less creepy. Uh, a good example of this is fictitious example is, you know, show up at an amusement park with my family. My kids are grown; we still they still love amusement parks, though. But show up at an amusement park with your family, and you know, amusement parks all give you these little bands that you scan now. And you walk yeah. in, you go through the gate, your whole family goes in, and you're walking around the park, and all of a sudden you get a text message. You get a WhatsApp from from the theme park saying, "Hey." Uh, we know that you guys are over by this ride, uh, but we know that your favorite ride's over in this other park. If you go to the other park, there's no line. My initial response to that is going to be, how do you know where I am? How do you know what my favorite ride? Like, how do you know all this stuff? And why are you contacting me about it? Mm -hmm. Whereas alternatively, when I bought my tickets, if they said, hey, we want to optimize your park ex park going experience and make sure you don't wait in line for your favorite, your family's favorite rides, would it be okay if we occasionally sent you WhatsApp? Be like, heck yeah, let's do it, right? Two totally different conversations. The only, or t totally different situation. The only thing that's changed is the amusement park had a conversation with me up front. Yeah. So it wasn't creepy. It wasn't intrusive. And I had the option to say no. That's what GDPR, that's what these data privacy acts do. And if you think about it from that perspective as a human, they're good. Yeah. They're going to provide more, con I'm going to have more confidence that the AI that I'm using is being implemented in a way that I feel comfortable with. 
All right. I mean, uh, that's a very uh, interesting take, and and uh, also a good outlook to have because, it, you know, it makes you know the the end user, the customer, a bit more comfortable with, with the fact that their data is being gathered. And um, that's all the time that we have for today's episode. I'd like to thank you for being with us, and I hope I hope you enjoy the rest of your visit at the second global AI summit. Thanks for having me, Osam. Uh, pleasure to have you. And uh, tune in to our next episode for the Global AI Podcast. And- and goodbye.